Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Pharmacists need to operate at the top of their license. Is that a challenge or goal your specialty pharmacy is committed to? Providing pharmacists with the data to support patients in a timely manner that improves adherence and persistence is a core service of Spencer Health Solutions. Spencer, our in-home medication management smart hub, provides patients with a simple solution to medication management and ongoing engagement. Our partner pharmacies receive patient data in near real time to support their clinical outreach, including telehealth access. If your specialty pharmacy group is ready to learn about available programs utilizing Spencer to serve patients in clinical trials or commercial pharma programs, visit spencerhealthsolutions.com forward slash partners and connect with us. Spencer Health Solutions, the future of patient engagement from the home. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. first person in the pharmacy industry that defined for me deep prescribing and and understanding how that ties into this transformation of what the pharmacist is going through right now in our industry and community pharmacy and senior care and specialty in compounding um, in representing pharma companies as uh, medical science liaisons that first person was Dr. Delon Canterbury. He is um, that constant drum in our ears with regards to what is deprescribing. The use of some medications, especially in people that are getting older, can actually cause more harm than good if you're not paying attention to the cascade prescribing that goes on with multiple physicians, multiple specialists. And when you're when you're not really paying attention to the optimization of medication through targeted deprescribing. Um, you're missing out on that vital opportunity or managing uh, during managing of chronic conditions to make some more adjustments and really dig into what is medication management. I'm excited to welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Dr. Delon Canterbury. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, hey, thank you for having me, Todd and Jerika. Good seeing you both. Happy Friday, and it's a pleasure to be here as well. Um, yeah, but you're right. Deprescribing is my middle name and I love talking about it. I love sharing the impact we could make that's sustainable as a part of that vital healthcare team, but really showing the lens of what people can really do outside of traditional pharmacy with deprescribing. So really, really, I'm happy to be here, Todd. Just shout it out, Jerika Dodd, Dr. Jerika Dodd, one of my heroes in the pharmacy profession because of the inspirational light that you give to our industry and in taking the high road. You've always taught me to take the highest road available that is the highest at practicing as a PharmD, the highest in spirituality and what we do and the vibes that we give up to others in 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 being able to wrap our talents around what is the next generation pharmacist jerika it's so good to have you back on the show thank you todd it's my pleasure to be here and grateful to be on your platform again uh, along with dr delon canterbury the dr delon canterbury <laughs> It's a special time because we're celebrating a new kickoff. Um, Jerika, you are a um, just a powder keg of ideas of how to take a pharmacist, how to take women in leadership, how to take inspiration in delivering this in such a sharp, good-looking, uh, professionally done magazine 
that then becomes very specific to um, our healthcare providers, our pharmacists that are out there doing what they're doing and making them feel like the superstars that they are. And they don't realize there's so many people that have that have been on the cover of your magazine, these these beautiful, intelligent women. I don't think they realize how powerful they are as individuals until we get an opportunity to slow them down and for people like you, Jerika, to get in front of them and inspire them. And then when they see themselves on the cover of a freaking magazine, <laughs> as gorgeous as it looks, I mean, it gives me chills. Every time you come out with a new uh, cover, I want to know who that person is. Like, I'm like, what is this, you know, woman leader doing? What is this other woman leader doing? And so many of your covers have been special people in my life with regards to even being part of our network. And then all of a sudden I saw Pharma Sir come out and the one and only Delon was on the cover. And I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? And um, we were poking fun at it, all three of each other when we were, before we were recording. And we were like, um, you know, it's, it's more than, you know, a good looking pharmacist. It's more than someone in fashion or that wears, you know, their clothing really well, even though all of your covers have been gorgeous. And then we had to be like, well, don't leave out Pharma Sir, because look who we have representing men in pharmacy. He's a good looking guy. Dr. Canterbury is, is representing and I'll do a, the, the chest bump and be like, he's representing us very well, but I'm excited about this magazine coming out, Tarika. Well, and you know, Todd, um, you're right. It is definitely more than a pretty face or a handsome face. Now it is the fact that pharmacists, we, we didn't learn how to market ourselves. We were taught to be in fulfillment. We were taught to put our heads down, to study hard, concentrate hard, speak when spoken to, or ask a question. And that's kind of how we roll, if you will. And I have the saying that I say that pharmacists are brilliantly insecure. Pharmacists are brilliant. Pharmacy professionals are brilliant. And so when I created the magazine, it was not about putting up pictures of pretty faces and handsome faces. However, we're human and we do like mm -hmm. to see pictures. I do acknowledge that. However, it was really to serve as a platform to share each person's story. Because when you share your story, somebody is going to pick up that magazine and identify with one of those ladies and now the gentleman that has been featured. Somebody's going to identify and go, oh, my gosh, that's possible for me, too. I can do that as well. I'm inspired. I'm motivated. And so that is the purpose of the magazine. In addition to the person being featured, taking that using it however they see fit to market themselves and their brand to the world, not just to the world of pharmacy, but to the world. Absolutely. Um, Delon, we were talking before we started recording, we should have pressed record because it was some really good dialogue between the three of us. And we were talking about the entrepreneurial minded pharmacist who wants to step out of that traditional role. The, they don't want to be a community pharmacy owner or, or I'm sorry, not an owner, but a community pharmacist anymore, or even mm -hmm. pharmacy owners. There have been ones that say, hey, I don't want to own a pharmacy anymore. I want to go out on my own and maybe do something else. And we were talking about, OK, there's the entrepreneurial minded executes there's the entrepreneurial minded that starts something but doesn't know how really how to scale it and then there's the mind frame where well i don't really know how to market myself 
And then there's the other pharmacist who is needed in the community pharmacies. They're needed to be champions in in the big box retail. We need those pharmacists there. We just need the business model to change to reflect the power of our pharmacists that we're underutilizing. And those people still need to understand, just like Jerika told us, and I'm going to kick this over to you, Delon, to start out, and then I want Jerika to come in too. And that is marketing yourself. Even if you are with one of the big boxes forever and you are transferring maybe to another um, employer or another opportunity, you have to learn to market yourself. So, Delon, tell us about how you learned through doing it that you had to market yourself as a pharmacist today. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting journey, um, especially starting from not knowing what the heck I was doing when I started. And I was a little cocky too. I was like, ah, I knew some stuff from school. I could figure it out. And lo and behold, I did not know what I was thinking about. Um, but for me, and, and honestly, Dr. Dodd has been critical in this growth I've had in the last year. And it's been learning how to tell my story and not the fluffy, good, do goody story, but the real nitty gritty raw story. And for me, it was being in retail hell. It was being at Walgreens. It was literally seeing over-medicated seniors time and time again, coming to my counter and I have two minutes to help them. And I feel trapped. I feel I couldn't do and really advocate on the level that I think our degrees were intended for, but really I was spiritually meant to do, right? I didn't, I wasn't living in alignment with my purpose and learning how to one, identify the problem and be consistent and loud and proud is part of branding. It's part of your marketing. It's part of changing the thoughts and beliefs that people out there still are like, oh, I didn't think there was even a possibility, but like, look, it can be done. And so learning how to tell your story has literally tenfold my reach, my audience. I can only thank Dr. Da for that. But even outside of that, you can't be afraid to take that leap. You can't be fearful of your gift. And that's what I realized was we all have gifts. We all have the power. Don't fall prey to this belief that we're just meant to be fulfillment. No, we are meant to be the boss. We are meant to be the consultant. We're meant to literally advocate through and through. I don't care if it's pediatrics, geriatrics, doesn't matter what health condition. We're the freaking expert. So own your gift. And it took me some time realizing that that was what I wasn't doing in the beginning. I was just like, hey, I do this. Hope you believe in me. But I had to believe in myself in order for others to believe in me. And it conveys when you're talking to people if you don't have that. So Again, telling your story is a piece of it. Marketing is, is essential. Um, but really for me, it came from a forced place of honestly retail hell, hatred. And I had to figure out, okay, what aligns with my passion and my lack of passion for pharmacy at the time with community service, with my purpose, with what makes me happy. And finding that mixture has, has been tantamount to this, for me being here today in front of you all. Jerika, your your insight started us off in this conversation. I want you to kind of open up to our listeners and and kind of share your your way that you were thinking, which is, was point on. You're the one that stopped me for a second and realized, hey, this is more than just our entrepreneurs. This is also the hospital system pharmacist. This is the specialty mm -hmm. pharmacist. This is the 
CVS, the Walgreens, the Rite Aid, the Walmart, you know, it's all of them. Those pharmacists, they don't, they're not, it's their lives don't end at the entity that they're working for. They are the PharmD. It's their license. It's their reputation. It's them as a provider. You know, Todd, I'll tell you this, that if I had just $5 for every pharmacist that reaches out to me that says I'm in retail or I'm in whatever, fill in the blank, whatever setting, and I don't know how to get out. And oftentimes the first thing I'll say is that when you contact somebody and you're like, I need help, you've got to be open-minded. I, you know, I, I start a lot of discussions with mindset because many people say, a lot of people who are sick don't want to get well. And so they say that they're looking for a way out, but then when you're like, okay, this is what you should do. They're like, mm, nah, I don't think so. And then they go away and you, you know, okay, time will tell. However, you've got to be willing to do something different than what you've done before if you want a different outcome. So if you hate this, the scenario that you're in, and I believe that one of the ways to do that, because let me tell you about pharmacy professionals, and I say professionals because we've got technicians and you know pharmacy students who are at the cusp of trying to figure out what their career is going to look like when they leave school. So that's why I use that broad term. But you, you have to be willing to market yourself and we're not taught that in school. You have got to understand that the great education that you got that you are likely still paying for is, it is not the end all to be all. It's great. I have no slight, no shade towards pharmacy schools, but we do not learn. And you don't learn in MBA school either. You have got to learn to market yourself. And I think one of the ways to do that is, as Delon said, to tell your story or the way. So pharmacy professionals come and they're looking for tools, tips, tactics, strategies, algorithms, secrets, hints, all the things that if you just give me the formula, then I'll plug in the needed variables and it'll come out right. And I have seen many people who offer all those, that whole long list of things I just said, tools, tips, tactics, strategies, algorithms, secrets, hints, formulas. And the person is still going, hmm, because you have to market yourself. And you have to, like, we're not huge major brands like Target, where all you got to do is put up that red bullseye and everybody knows, or mm -hmm. that little spark mm -hmm. from Walmart, whichever shopper you are, you know, and everybody knows the little, the little yellow spark. You have to build a brand. And I believe that that brand has to be built, whether you're an employee or whether you're an entrepreneur. Because if you're an employee and you are nestled safe in your job, and then all of a sudden something disrupts it and you're like, oh, I don't like it here anymore. I want to go work somewhere else. Your identity is the, the company that you work for. And that's it. Nobody knows you yep. outside of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And even... Even talking about the ability if, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with a career at Walmart pharmacy no, or no, any no. of those pharmacies. But if you, if you took the time to market yourself to the community, you could do other things that your, the credit that you get as a, as a healthcare provider, as a mm -hmm. PharmD, as a doctor in pharmacy, you could do other things almost like a, they call them side hustles or whatever they want to call them in order to generate extra money for yourself, but then also to fulfill an aspect of what you have in your heart, um, you know, that, that you know you want to do something more. You and I, all three of us, we're dog lovers. We all have dogs in our lives. They're like our kids. 
They're all in our studios right now. And you're listening to the podcast. We got Corgis and we got Jack Russells and Delon. What's your uh, dog again? Got a black lab. Mix. Black labs. So, so imagine a pharmacist like one of us. If I were a pharmacist, I'd have a love for animals just like I do now. Imagine a side thing that you do a, a consult for the community, teaching them about how to better care for your dog. And, and you and you make it a community day and you have everybody come to the community day that's already going on and there's a booth and it's brought to you by Dr. Jerika Dodd and come, you know, come bring your dog and ask questions about medication, blah, blah. I mean, you could generate income or you might just give it away. You might say, I'm going to generate income and give it away to a local charity or something like that. But you're absolutely right. You, you shouldn't ever not market yourself from mm -hmm. something grandiose that the three of us have done with our lives or something maybe you know smaller that is you're helping to write a book or you're a publishing you know a blog or you you do a mm -hmm. little side project or something else that we know is all part of marketing which is just another word for communications and and then rinse and repeat so that you always stay out there so that if you do have to make a career decision and a career change you're prepared to do so, and your whole career as a pharmacist isn't attached to, as I was using the example, as the Walmart pharmacist in, you know, in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. You know, if I can add, um, I think it's so important because I and I, I want to rest for just a second more on that person who's like, well, I don't want to build my own business. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. That employee, I listen to people talk about the metrics that they have to meet in retail or whatever setting they're in. And they're like, oh, it's grueling. Do you know how many scripts we're filling? Somebody just told me within the past couple of days, we're filling 600 scripts a day. Then I have to do uh, immunizations. And so, and I'm like, how do you keep up? Like, how do it? And it's not a 24 hour store. So you're mm -hmm. like, how does, how does all, like, I'm sitting here going, I don't even see how that's feasibly possible. But you have to, I, I don't believe that tap dance faster is the answer in that situation because the person was saying, the, the managers, all they are doing is saying, you're not meeting your metrics, you're not meeting your metrics. Well, on my way out of that situation in branding and marketing myself, I because they don't realize, in my opinion, the talent that they have. And so I don't believe that getting your employer to realize the talent that they have requires you to stay extra and do an and pedal paddle paddle faster. I don't think that works. I think we 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 definitely have you know movements out there that are addressing all of that. But I believe that on your way out, that they need to understand who it is that they have working for them. And I think that the way you do that is branding and marketing yourself such that they're like, huh, let's take notice. Who is this that we're working with? And they don't just start keep barking orders of tap dance faster. Yes. And I'll add, you don't have to have a marketing street team to make this happen. Mm -mm. You can literally just go on social media, make a poll, make a post, get people thinking the way you are, or at least whatever your philosophy is, and voice your opinion and own your authenticity. It, it isn't really much more to it than that. And then no. you start realizing people are drawn to you and they want to learn more. They want to DM you. They're going to want to know, how did you escape? How did you get into this space? 
And now you have people who are looking to you and they could be potential clients, they could be friends, they could hand off a potential person who needs your help or vice versa. So you don't know, but honestly, this all still comes down to your relationships, how you're networking, how you're positioning yourself as an authority, which I've learned so much from Jay, and how you've also been able to communicate authentically and boldly. You cannot just be yep. tepid on your own opinion. You got to be strong with it. Um, but I would say in this space for me, and, and when it came to de-prescribing, I love community service. So I just started doing volunteer work and I did not anticipate how much that was marketing until two years into my business, where now DeLon has grant writers. Now I can go to Duke and, and do a pilot study with a clinical trial if I want with pharmacogenomics. Now I, and that's all because I just talked about COVID. Literally, I wasn't trying to market de-prescribing. I just did what I thought was in alignment with me and how I wanted to serve in the senior space because they were the ones dying the most at that time. So I go to nursing homes. I talk about COVID. I talk about genomics. I talk about de-prescribing. Yes. And then I'm realizing, wow, I could pitch proposals to penthouse suite $10,000 clients if I really wanted to right now because I know the people at those nursing homes. Or yep. I could leverage yep. de-prescribing into a speaking engagement with AARP or get invited to Alzheimer's conferences because I just showed up authentically yep. and showed my passion for senior care. So don't underestimate just being present and actually caring about whatever you're present for. It ain't gotta be pharmacy. It could be cooking classes, walking your dog, whatever, but be present and then make those connections. That's gonna completely amplify your, your brand, your name and your marketing strategy. And the both of you on this, uh, this interview, that I'm so excited I had an opportunity to talk to you at the same time. Both of you have an advantage over me, and I'm still doing it. The both mm -hmm. of you bring a credibility to the market, and that is you have a freaking PharmD, and you should be so proud of attaining that. But that's not enough for the 300,000 active pharmacists in the country. That's just not enough. You're, you you have to do exactly what Delon and Jerika is talking about, and that is taking an opportunity to refresh your LinkedIn page. Think about how people are looking at your picture, a professional headshot, um, mm -hmm. the business card that you have, the blog that you have that's a personal blog on sickle cell disease or whatever the specialty is that you want to represent and dig down into. Every single one of you, all active pharmacists, have something that they're interested in, that they could become a subject matter expert on in order mm -hmm. to differentiate themselves from any of the other 299,000 plus active pharmacists in the country. And then the magic is the rinse and repeat and keep doing it and being consistent and improving as you move forward mm -hmm. so that you're not ever at a position where if you wanted to make a career change that you're like, well, now how do I do it? It's almost like I'm a hypocrite by saying this to you both, but working out, like I'm the most inconsistent person that works out. There's times where I go three months in a row, I'm doing it every damn day. And then all of a sudden I'm in my role, lull now where I've, you know, I'll swim some laps and I'll pick up a weight and I'm just real inconsistent, but I'm never going to have, you know, that back to the body that I had when I was in my twenties. And, and being healthy, by the way, that's a, and making sure that my muscles don't 
lose memory of where they were. And, and basically, I, it's never going to be like that if I'm not consistent. That's exactly the way that your brand mm-hmm. is and your, your reputation in the marketplace is. And, and I believe that it's so <clears throat> important to understand. Um, I, I hear a lot because I, I talk to at least 10 women in pharmacy a week. And so I hear a lot of the same things. Imposter syndrome. Well, I don't know. I'm like, you know what? Go out there and do it by day and at night come home and study. I don't believe in that whole imposter syndrome thing. I believe that the imposter syndrome is showing up to a job that you hate every day a boss that you don't enjoy working for, work that you don't enjoy doing, that right there is an imposter because you're pretending that you like it. And then you're Mm -hmm. saying, you know, in this martyrdom, oh, it's for the patients. And I'm like, that's baloney. That is not, no, that's imposter syndrome to me. And I think that every question you have, there is no question that I can think of that I feel like I cannot find an answer to. I may not know all the answers. The other thing I hear pharmacists say is if I could just figure out, you know what? That's what my LinkedIn profile says. I help pharmacists figure out the how, because do you know how many go, I just got to figure out, do you know how long you'll take to just figure out? You've got to tap into people, build relationships, And then I think that you also need to pay for information. We're used to people picking our brains, especially in that retail setting. CVS gets the money. Walgreens gets the money. I hope I'm not doing any injustice by calling out names. I mean, they're just examples. They're household names. Nonetheless, they get the money, but then your brain gets picked for free. I don't even like that terminology. Pick my brain. I am. You're not a bird and I am not, you know, and so... I believe that when pharmacists start to understand and pharmacy professionals in general start to understand the knowledge that they have and that people will buy that knowledge. And then when people buy your knowledge, they can move and advance faster. Just like when you buy knowledge, you can move and advance faster. And then positioning yourself. You mentioned it earlier. It is important to position yourself. No one is going to take a magic wand and go, cha-ching, you are now a thought leader. You are now the expert. You have to build that yourself. So I say quit with all this imposter stuff and go, just go do the darn thing. You know, just Mm -hmm. go do it. Absolutely. I absolutely know that I went and still do. I mean, there's imposter syndrome that it's in degrees. It either is a you know a one out of a ten. It may be a ten one time where you get kind of scared and you see yourself through it. It might be lesser of a time, but it's just believing that you know you look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, start you know, am I a am I an accomplished professional? Um, am I a farm D? Um, did I make it through the Naplex? Have I helped you know um, hundreds, if not thousands, of patients with? you know, medication errors and have I caught errors on a daily basis? I mean, there's all this, you know, data backing your experience behind you. And if you take that into a passion of something that you really want to do, including not being a pharmacist anymore. I mean, there are, I've met pharmacists that said, I don't want to practice as an actual pharmacist anymore, but I want to take my knowledge into nutrition or i want to take my um my my knowledge into um working out and becoming physically more fit and now i'm a coach to uh, i mean i can't think of a better coach that was a a farm d that could give me 
recommendations on repping better and building up my chest muscles, but then all of a sudden saying, hey, let's talk about your diet and any of the supplements that are coming out, and I'll tell you what's bull crap, and I'll tell you what's real because of their mm-hmm. pharmacological background. Yeah. And, and then so on. I mean, the politics uh, of pharmacy. Imagine right? a pharmacist coming into Congress and becoming a congressperson or a state representative, and mm-hmm. now they have the backing of their PharmD to be credible to literally change co- the country's policies on medication management or provider status. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, un- it's unstoppable. You've got pharmacists that have gone into finance to help other pharmacists get your finances right. You've yes, got mm-hmm. pharmacists that have gone into fashion. I just, I just featured um, one in the magazine and, and another one to come who, and that seems totally off the grid, like what, pharmacist fashion? But I believe that life is precious. We saw this in these last couple of years in the pandemic that life is precious. So I don't have time to worry about what somebody thinks about me and because I trained to be a pharmacist and if I'm actually doing that or not, I am here to live my life and live it to the fullest in color and stereo so that when I get to the end, I'm all used up and all the dreams I've attempted tried and I'm not worried and sitting around with regret over what I never had the the gumption to go and try. So if it's fashion, if it's finance, if it's fitness, although those are the three Fs, fashion, finance, fitness. If it's those things, like whatever your passion is, whether it's within pharmacy or outside of pharmacy, I say go run and your dreams are urgent. Absolutely. So what is the advice, uh, Delon, that you have for a listening pharmacist that does feel that they want to take the steps, but they're in that that position of, I just don't know what to do next. Um, What would you coach them to do? Uh, I would coach them to get a coach. (laughs) Definitely get some type of mentor, coach, listening ear. Um, I think for me, beginning, I definitely was in my own head. And so with a mixture of being, I don't want to be wrong, I didn't think to hire coaches to help me find information that would take me years and years and years to really figure out. So I first managed to get some coaches to help me with that process. Um, But most of where the magic happens is when you have a shift in mindset. When you have a mindset that shifts from a place of lack to a place of abundance as in, oh yeah, every day is an opportunity. Every day something great is going to happen no matter if I don't know it or not, or I don't plan for it or not. When you start thinking that way, instead of, oh, if I don't make this sale, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna survive next month. You're gonna start shifting. You're gonna start seeing how, once you have that, everything opens up for you, honestly. So get out of your head. Um, no, you're not right. Cause guess what? We're not always right. <laughs> you're always wrong. And then you learn from being wrong and you grow from that. So failure should not be a bad word. It should be just seen as, okay, now what? Instead of giving up on yourself. So analysis paralysis is always thrown around, but the truth is it, it's real. And we like to be fact finders. We like to know all the deets before we jump in. So I'm telling people to embrace the jump in, invest in yourself because, hey, you're clearly not investing into the job you're in if you don't care for it. You're you're not doing yourself a service. So 
change your mindset. If you need to read some books, do it. But I recommend getting a coach. I recommend um, having a business bestie, maybe someone in a different field who's interested in entrepreneurship, just to, to bounce ideas and talk through some things. But getting started is, isn't that hard. It's the continuation. It's the marathon. It's the consistency. And that's that's where you have to get that mindset shift when you're at home at night wondering, how, okay, how am I going to make it this time? How am I going to Getting out of yourself when you're in those dark, low places, because there are lows. Businesses isn't just a linear graph up. It's ups and downs, ups and downs. So again, being able to have that mindset is going to be really just critical for you to scale. Awesome. I appreciate that. I also want to just give a a shout out to the the coaches that are out there. Um, we have pharmacists who have dedicated now their careers to being coaches, um, you know, support each other where you can in order to validate what you're doing to make those changes. Because this um, this frontier is still new, and that is the entrepreneurial mindset, the transformation of pharmacy. Um, it it's It's not going to change unless the members of – I love hearing from pharmacists, obviously, but I, I, I pick up on – the negativity that they want the industry to change around them, but they don't want to help make the change. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have to be part of the transformation of this industry. How about I stop going to the subreddit on, um, on Reddit that's dedicated to the, to pharmacy because it was all negative. It was, it was all talk about how horrible the industry is. And I'd want to always inject positivity or suggestions of how to change things. And it's just like, I don't know if they, if it's almost is there a reverse serotonin that they get out of reading negativity in the industry to make them feel bad about their own negativity in in the industry and i just stopped going because i was being you know pulled down by a 300 to to a thousand negative people in the pharmacy industry that just want to complain to each other and i'm like how is this subreddit helping our industry literally change and transform I hope mm-hmm. people that are listening right now are participating in subreddit. I hope you make a comment on the subreddit for for pharmacy that you need to stop it. And you, you need to start thinking if we don't step out to make our industry and do something physically and, and mentally to change it, it will never change for you. And you, the mm-hmm. three of us, we're, we're, we're not worried about them not changing their attitudes because the three of us, have, we have stuff to do. We have – all three of us by this time next year are going to have new offerings and, and events that we showed up at. And, and Jerika is going to come out with another book. And, you know, Delon, you're going to come out with another book. And I mean, it's just we're going to just keep going because that's yeah. we know the the formula is you got to keep going. You got to keep failing and you got to keep winning and you got to keep, you know, changing and got to transforming. And we know that this not there is no grass that grows under either any of our feet because we're always in in motion. If I can offer another key piece is community. And so you have to be in community. I talk about networking, but more than just networking, but relationships, relationships that you don't have to talk every day, but when you reach out and say, Hey, I need, or can you help me with? It's not that awkward feeling because we know each other and we've already spent time together and built relationship. 
I believe that community is really, really important. And not that kind of community that sits with you, like you said, on that uh, social media platform and helps you lick your wounds. That's not the kind of community that you need. You need the kind of community that will listen and be like, okay, yep, I understand. I was really messed up. However, now what are you going to do next? Okay, so what's your what's your next goal? What's your next? What are you going to do next? You need community that's going to challenge you. That's not going to accept your excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like you need community. <clears throat> that you need to be with people who like. I, I remember somebody called me one day and they were like, "Well, this is my you know kind of like my accountability partner." Well, if your accountability partner is not doing anything, then they're not going to hold you accountable to do anything. <laughs> so you've got to be very very selective because there will be people who want to grab onto your coattails because you look like you're doing something, and that's not the type of community that I mean because that will weigh you down. You need community that is going to stretch you. That's going to challenge you that's going to help you like have an outside view of you your business your brand and make suggestions you know like somebody challenged me like get that get that magazine into these hands and I was like whoa okay get the addresses I asked my assistant get the addresses and we're going to do that like that's the kind of community that we need because it never dawned on me to put the magazine in an envelope and send it to said people before, yeah. but that's the kind of challenge I need. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. that's a good suggestion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got the addresses. Good. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Jay, I mean, that community is there and you don't get that unless you're present. So right. you gotta be there. You know how much stuff I did randomly in the beginning of business? And I'm not recommending to just do all the things, but I joined a Toastmasters group. So I, then I met people who became potential patients because of Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. I went to health fairs to meet with caregivers. And now the caregivers want me back for a conference in the fall. So it wasn't with the intent to market. It was literally just because I'm interested in learning about how I can better myself and then maybe help others along the way. So COVID to me was that leapfrog. But that was how I got on PBS, talking about de-prescribing, talking about over-medicating in seniors. And it was because I was showing up, again, a year prior, talking about COVID and misinformation, vaccine hesitancy, and, and marginalized communities. So that was me just showing up. That was for free. I wasn't getting paid. But again, don't downplay paid op- free opportunities to put your voice out there and be involved. So you don't know. And it could be through hobbies. It could be through, again, serving. It could be through social media, which has also been uh, critical for me. Um, but again, be authentic, be bold. And I just say, take the time to to really just trust yourself in the process. Don't be fearful. Absolutely. I appreciate both of you. Um, I do want to invite both of you back to a follow-up episode. And maybe we get back together and share with our listeners um, how the both of you are doing. I do want to um, end today with just shout shout outs and updates from the both of you. What's coming in your life and what would you like our listeners to kind of engage and understand um, what you're doing? So I'm going to start with Jerika. Well, one thing that I'm doing is I'm currently, um, I, I realize that the success that I've had on using the social media platform of LinkedIn has been amazing. Even prior 
to the pandemic, but definitely throughout the pandemic, in that probably about uh, 90 to 95% of my customers and clients have come from LinkedIn. And many people think that you have to have a sort of special version of LinkedIn or what have you. And I am one to say that is not true. So I actually have started um, just really, you know, I don't claim to be a LinkedIn guru, but I'm basically turning around and just showing people how to make LinkedIn work for them. And so from collaborations to podcast interviews to customers and clients to speaking opportunities, I believe that there's a lot there that many people don't dig into, as well as speaking to your ideal audience if they're there. Nonetheless, so that's one of the things that I'm doing. I'm getting ready to produce the second of a three-day event called Women in Pharmacy. And there's an asterisk there. That asterisk is for, and a few good men. Um, <laughs> but I, I think in this upcoming iteration of it, it's going to be Women in Pharmacy and Friends. I have a lot of people who weren't, aren't even in pharmacy who are like, hey, what you're teaching is applicable to me. Nonetheless, it's called Nothing Held Back. And so I did that in uh, mid-July, and I'm going to do it again in November. Uh, it's going to be Nothing Held Back 2.0, where I'm, I, I'm going to be talking to that person that's kind of on the fence, in the middle. How do I get started? Because a lot of it has to do with mindset, with confidence, and just knowing, okay, what are the simple steps that I need to take? Because it can be overwhelming if you're you know, hit with everything at once. So I'll be hosting a, another three-day virtual event, Nothing Held Back 2.0, for uh, women in pharmacy and friends. And that'll be November 14th through the 16th. And those are the things. And then, of course, the magazine um, is uh, preparing for uh, some our first international issues in the UK, as well as Canada, uh, special editions as the Pharmacer was also a special edition of the magazine. So um, getting ready for the third anniversary of the magazine. Lots going on, but there you go. That's a long answer to a short question. That's awesome. And congratulations on, you know, you wouldn't be here today, Jerika, if you would have doubted yourself and if you would have said it's not perfect yet and I'm not ready and you'd still be, you know, working for someone else and you wouldn't be here today. So a shout out to you. Delon, update our listeners. What do, what do you have going on as the deprescribing pharmacist? Man, uh, quite a lot. Um, I'll be presenting on the power and value of deprescribing um, for about five conferences this next quarter. So uh, the, the, the next one will be the Healthcare Advocate Summit, which will be in New Orleans in early September. Uh, where we talk about the power of deprescribing, how the industry can change and monetize deprescribing. And this is really towards the insurers as well, as well as clinicians. I mean, senior care-facing orgs can monetize this. So we talk about that. But more pressing is uh, we literally just finished our second cohort of our deprescribing accelerator. So we are currently reviewing applications and we'll start a social media campaign actually this following week talking about our next and final cohort for 2022. So the prescribing accelerators looking for five to seven uh, pharmacists, nurse providers, uh, gerontologists, basically senior facing clinicians with an entrepreneurial mindset looking to monetize stopping harmful meds in seniors. So that will start in late September. And again, it's a 12 week program. 
it's coaching, but it's more to that. It's also an implementation program. So it's, we like numbers, we like data, and I want our clients to have success. And our last cohort was actually an area office on aging in Florida. So they actually had a partnership with UF Health and their entire mission is to reduce hospital readmissions and heart failure patients. So I can't wait to see what they do and take with what they've gained from our program. Uh, but really, we're looking for recruits for that. Apart from traveling the world, I will be spending the next quarter <laughs> just speaking and speaking to the problem and getting more uh, caregivers, getting more uh, gerontologists, getting more nursing homes aware of the power of pharmacists. So more to come this next amazing quarter. Awesome. Very proud of you both and representing what pharmacists can do. If you just put your uh, time and effort behind it, um, you took your PharmD um, education serious enough to become a pharmacist. And if you want uh, to be successful, you're going to have to take your life, your career life, just as serious. And um, there's no such thing as becoming a pharmacist, passing the NAPLEX starting to practice and not following up on something to do with improving yourself as a provider. So you're always updating your, your continuing education. You're always um, researching something. And this is the same thing. It's, it's that it's the consistency, it's the dedication, and it's the not giving up on yourself um, because ultimately we have to be happy. You can't be working your, your 40, 50 hour a week job. And you're saying, I, I know I love the comedy that's out there on Instagram. Uh, Doctor of comedy, Dr. Shaw, shout out to you. You're hilarious. And mm -hmm. he has some really funny stuff, but it's tongue in cheek where if you're miserable in community pharmacy, then change it, you know, stop being miserable in community pharmacy or really anything in, in any of your, your positions. And just a shout out to our pharmacists. They do so much for their communities. They do so much for our healthcare systems. You feel unrecognized. You aren't uh, by our community, this community, hashtag uh, TwitterRx and, um, and what we do on the social media platforms. We're always here supporting each other. So if you haven't networked with Delon uh, Catterberry and Jerika Dodd, please do so through LinkedIn. They're easy to find. I'm going to have their contact information in the show notes so that you can reach out to them. But um, thank you both for being here. This has been a treat. This is uh, we're recording this on a pharmacy Friday. So to have a Friday that I get to spend time with pharmacists makes my uh, heart full. Well, thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me. Honored to be here. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you.